instead of worrying about the breakfast which is waiting for you afterwards or the journey to your place of work. Just pour all your attention into brushing the teeth. Just feel the brush against the teeth, against your gums. Not only will you brush your teeth more effectively, but you also won't make a mess with all of the toothpaste going all over the place. <laughs> but more, more importantly, you'll find that the mind will be more at peace throughout the rest of the day. Whatever you're doing, you're doing it with care. The most important person is the one you're with. When you're brushing the teeth, the most important person is the toothbrush. Care. This is the being with one thing at a time practice. Being where you are, you find actually you get more done. Even when you're driving the car and you're sitting at the traffic lights, you just feel where you are. You feel the, the pressure of the hands on the wheel. Feel the expressions in your face, the tension which might be there. You'll notice if, if it's there, you can just relax it and solve a lot of future problems. There's much in the time in the day when we can meditate. One person I knew was a very high business man in the uh, city of New York. He would spend all day going from board meetings to board meetings, cutting these very, you know, powerful multi-million dollar deals. When he went from one company's boardroom to another, when he got down to the lift, he never took a, a cab nor a limousine. He walked from office building to office building. But as he walked, he didn't think of the deal he'd just cut. He didn't think of the, the problems in the next meeting. He walked mindfully, doing what we call walking meditation, which I'll explain in a moment. He put all of his attention on where he was, carefully attending to just walking down the street. And what happened was the tension and the nervousness of the previous meeting disappeared by the time he got to the next office. And when he got to the next office, unlike many other businessmen, he was calm, clear, and very prepared. In fact, he was a very successful and powerful businessman just because of that. Instead of looking through his notes, he looked through his mind. Instead of preparing his arguments, he prepared his clarity. This is a way that we can be a successful business person or a successful wife, a successful bricklayer or whatever else you do in this world. Now this way of walking meditation, which this person was doing, is simply just putting all the awareness in the moment with walking. It's something which we do so often, again we take it for granted. How do you walk? Which part of your foot lifts from the ground first and in what order does it touch the ground again afterwards? What walking meditation means is one puts all the attention in just the movement of the feet. For some of you who find it difficult to sit meditation because of pains in the body sometimes caused through illness or accident, walking meditation can be very effective. You just choose a path somewhere, maybe in your house, a corridor, a hallway, or a little path in the back of your 
garden, choosing that path and walking backwards from one end to the other. You reach the end, you carefully turn round and walk in the opposite direction until you reach that end and you turn round again and walk back. Doing something simple which doesn't take much thought but putting all of the attention into the feelings on the feet. In the same way you watch the breath, you know whether the breath is going in or going out. When you're doing walking meditation, you know whether the left foot is rising or falling, or whether the right foot is moving. You know all of the experiences involved in walking in the moment. Some people might think this is a stupid thing to do, and it's boring. But this week I ask you to try it. And I'll give you just a, a simple demonstration on how it should be done. So you can try it and you'll find that if you do it properly according to the instructions, you'll find you get some very peaceful states of mind and a very enjoyable experience of just being with the process of walking. Again, one just chooses the path. I'll have to just uh, talk without the microphone because I can't carry this with me. Is that choosing the path, putting the attention down in front of you, maybe a meter or two. If you're doing walking meditation, it's a waste of time to look over here and look over there. Because that will just distract the attention from where it should be, which is on the feet. And you move as slowly or as fast as you, you wish. But all the time you're noticing which part of the foot is moving. For me, the heel always comes up first. And then the, uh, the toes. And the last part which comes up for me is the board of the foot. The toes are already off the ground by the time I move. And the foot usually goes back a little bit as the weight goes on the other foot and goes forward. And the first part which touches is just to the right of the, the ball of the foot. And then the toes, from the small toes to the big toe. And lastly the heel. Each one of these has its own feeling. And you're aware of these feelings. You're aware of the feeling as the weight moves to the foot which has just gone to the ground and the heel comes up as you move the other foot. All the time aware of every movement, movement of the feet. As you walk, putting all your attention on the feelings which arise from moment to moment. There's no need to be in the present moment. And which are not so complicated that they need a commentary. When you get to the end of your path, you stop. And you realise, you take a note that you're at the end of the path. You start to feel how you turn around. Is your attention always from the knees down to the feet? And all the feelings which are happening down there as you move and turn around. Always taking time to stop and then moving again as you walk forward. Your whole attention on the process of walking. This is called walking meditation and it's very simple to do. If you try some walking meditation for 15 minutes, 
you'll find the same problems with sitting meditation. The mind will want to go and think of something else. It'll get distracted by sounds, telephone calls, heat and cold, and also by your own thoughts. What's the purpose of this? What should I be? What am I doing this for? Give away all of those thoughts and just do it and experience and see for yourself the result of doing walking meditation. When the attention is confined to a simple thing like walking backwards and forwards, the mind soon gets so peaceful that you don't get distracted at all. All the attention stays with the movement of the feet. And commonly you find yourself walking slower and slower because there's so much to watch in just one step. And as you walk backwards and forwards for 15 minutes or half an hour, when you come out afterwards, you're so still and quiet. You feel so good. When I started doing walking meditation in the first monastery I went to in Thailand when I became a monk, I used to walk a distance which could probably half the width of this hall. It took me half an hour to get from one end to the next, another half an hour to make the return journey. All the time, because completely blissed out. So much so, I remember once that I was walking a bit too late and was missing an appointment for a ceremony. One of the other monks came up to tell me, you've got to come to a ceremony. And I remember myself as I, I was looking down at the ground, just being aware of the movement of the feet. And they said, come, you've got to go to a ceremony. Taking about a minute, as I turned round, to the monk. I couldn't move any faster. I was in bottom gear and said, what? (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't doing it on purpose, I just couldn't go faster. He was so slowed down and cool and peaceful. And I hope you may be experiencing that for yourself when you try walking meditation. Many people have taught walking meditation for the first time. And they said, wow, this is amazing, this is beautiful. You're slowing down, you're getting into peace, you're getting into calm. Just watching the feelings as you walk. So this is another way of meditation which I'm teaching to you and giving to you to experiment during the next week. Try it out and see how it goes. As well as the sitting meditation. And see if these attitudes start to spill over into your daily life. So whatever you're doing, you're doing with everything you've got. I'll finish with one last story. Uh, I was with a teacher in Thailand for over nine years. He's quite a famous teacher now in the world of Buddhism. One of his teachings was told to me by an Australian man. I never heard this teaching myself. Many years after, the, uh, the teacher stopped teaching. He had gone to visit this teacher in the northeast of Thailand, which was a very difficult place to get to. He made a special journey. And when he got to this place, some 700 kilometers from Bangkok, he found that my teacher, his name was Ajahn Chah, was just surrounded with people. He was on the outskirts of these people trying to ask them questions which he wanted to ask of this wise monk and found that... There was no way he was going to to be able to catch his attention. There was too many people. 
He'd arranged for the taxi to sort of come back and pick him up later on to take him to this train station to get the journey back to Bangkok, the all-night journey. And the taxi wasn't going to come back for another hour. He knew he wasn't going to see the teacher and ask his profound questions. So he saw other monks helping to sweep the paths in the monastery. He thought, well, I've come all this way, I might as well do something useful. He picked up a broom and started to sweep. He was sweeping the leaves from the path when he felt a hand on his shoulder. He turned round and to his surprise and delight, it was the teacher, Ajahn Chah. He'd seen this Westerner coming and not having a chance to ask any questions. But unfortunately the teacher, Ajahn Chah, he'd only left the great group following around him because he had another appointment himself and the car was waiting for him. And so he just gave this young Australian man a very simple teaching. He told him, if you're going to sweep, sweep with 100% of what you've got. And then the teacher went away. This Australian man remembered this teaching. If you're going to sweep, sweep with everything you've got. And he realized that this was more than a teaching on how to keep the monastery clean. It was a teaching on how to live life. If you're going to meditate, Meditate with everything you've got. If you're going to write a letter, meditate with everything you've got. If you're going to brush your teeth, drive your car, do your exam, make that telephone call, speak with a person who's in front of you. They're the most important person in the world. Give them everything you've got. This is the way of Buddhist meditation. It's not that hard. Try walking meditation, you find it's easy. Learn meditation on the breath and you find it easy. And you find whatever you do in life, instead of doing it half-heartedly, quarter-heartedly, eighth-heartedly, you give it everything you've got and life will start to come together. So that's enough for this session of the um, introduction to meditation. There is one more session to go where we'll be picking up some loose ends next week and also teaching a couple of other very powerful meditations. But that's next week. Uh, for this week's uh, lesson, has anyone got any questions they'd like to ask about what we've been talking about? Question time. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. The doing one thing at a time practice. You know, sometimes it's wrong just to turn around and forget about the traffic in front of you. You'll be in great trouble. Uh, then it's best actually, if you are a driver in very uh, dangerous traffic, then perhaps you should ask them please later, not now, because sometimes that might that might distract you. If, however, that you find that the amount of attention required driving your car it's not that uh, uh, much that you can like, share your attention with a the passenger, then fine, talk to them. But you notice that quite often the conversations you have with people sitting next to you in the car can't be very deep. <laughs> because one thing, you haven't got their body language to, to look at. So often communication is not just what we say, because quite often we're afraid to say what we really mean. Sometimes we go round and round 
trying to give the other person cues. And some of those cues are given by body language. Little signs. If we're not very aware, we miss those. Again, this happens so often when people have divorces or separations. Before that happens, they give the signs that something is wrong in the relationship because people don't want that relationship to end except when it gets too bad. And they give those signs and they're not heard, they're not seen because we're not paying attention. Because we're sitting in a car and we're looking at the traffic and trying to listen to her or him. We need to give one another sort of you know, what they call quality time, which is not just sitting in a car. But there's many things which you do in your day, especially the important things of life. Give them full effort. And then you find that they're done very well. Like wash, brushing your teeth is a good example. Drinking a cup of tea is a good example. You know the Japanese tea ceremony. That's all that's about. Putting complete mindfulness into a very simple daily occurrence of drinking tea. I often remark that people go to expensive restaurants and they spend enormous amount of money on very delicious food. Do they taste it? No, because they're talking to the person next to them. It'd be great if you're really spending all this money on this food, then enjoy it, get your money's worth. Taste every morsel instead of distracting your attention. Or drinking a cup of tea. You know, feel the, the tea as it goes down your throat. Enjoy every taste, every moment. And yet you can find that just drinking a cup of tea becomes an amazing experience. Rather than just you're listening to the radio and talking to someone else and rushing to put on your coat and you're drinking the tea at the same time, it's a waste. You might be just drinking sort of dishwater. In fact, sometimes you are and haven't realised it. <laughs> so, see, one thing at a time is important practice, but not obviously all the time. Does that answer your question? Okay. Yes? Okay, you're asking when you're doing the meditation on the breath, following the breath going in and out, does visualizations such as uh, uh, visualizing the passage of the, the breath through the throat, it can help, yes. Uh, after a while though, leave aside those visualizations and just go to bare feeling. Uh, I think I did mention last time that uh, sometimes one can add like to the breath, which can help. It's like similar to a visualization. It's, uh, it's a little means one can use to, to give the mind something more to get its sort of teeth into so it doesn't get distracted. But after a while, when you've got the image of the breath, you know, with the... Um, the throat and everything else, whatever else you have. I remember someone imagined it as like a bellows going in and out. And uh, whatever the image is, once you've got the, the breath and the image, uh, the attention is sustained there, then let go of all the externals and just go, make it as simple as possible. That's why in this meditation you may have come across relaxation exercises where people take you by means of a cassette tape quite often, uh, wandering through green fields to a stream and to a forest. Now that can get you relaxed, but it's still a bit more complicated than the breath. The simpler the image, 
the deeper you go in meditation. The breath is one of the most simple images you can use. And for those who want to take this meditation on the breath further, that gives rise to some even deeper and more profound images in the mind, simpler things, just like peace itself, which you can put your mind on, and that's all this there, just see what peace actually is. And that's, you say, what are you aware of? Just peace, nothing else, just a mental image, rather than a feeling. And that takes you into very deep states of calm, very powerful states of happiness. So, this is just like a simplifying of the mind. Yeah, sometimes very complicated, isn't it, in life? You have to do so many things at once. You know, you do one thing at once, it's called peace. Any other question? Yeah? Yeah. You know, with, regu- with regular meditation, do you le- need less sleep? Yes, that's very true. Because meditation is a marvelous way of relaxing. What do we sleep for is to relax not just the body but also the mind, especially the mind. And people who really have very deep meditation usually have less sleep. It has many physical um, benefits, this meditation. One of the things it does is it lowers blood pressure. One of the monks once, he used to work for the SEC. Was it Western Power now or something? the SEC in the old days, had quite a, a top job somewhere, not just on the fixing up sort of uh, faults, but working in an office, sort of ordering all sorts of things, quite a high-powered job. But he always used to go and give blood every now and again. And after he became a monk, we went to go and give blood at the Red Cross in Wellington Street. I remember the, the nurse taking the uh, blood pressure. And because she had the, whole record, the old records there, she said, something's wrong, your blood pressure's really down. And then she looked at him, and because you know he had a bald head and brown robes, said, "You haven't been meditating, have you?" <laughs> and that's what she actually said. And he said, "Yeah, of course." And he said, oh, "That's why." It's just very well known that uh, meditation, because it releases the stress, it lowers blood pressure, and does all sorts of other good things for the body, including lessening your sleep. You know, an hour of your sleep is many years on your life. Do you want to live long? Then sleep less. <laughs> How much of your life are you wasting? <laughs> okay, I think that's probably enough for today. And uh, uh, if you have any other questions you'd like to ask, then please come up and ask them personally. Uh, if not, hopefully I'll see you next week. So happy meditating and happy walking as well. (laughs) Because tension is one of the main problems which people find, stress, and this meditation is a way of dealing with that uh, tension and stress of daily life. Uh, You've already been trying some meditation which calms the mind down. Calming the mind down is a way of letting go of the problems of life. I gave a simon the very first uh, lesson here of the two suitcases. I've been emphasizing this because it's an important simile of letting go of past and future. For those who didn't hear that simile, the first uh, lesson, a person is carrying two suitcases, one in the left hand, one in the right hand, both are very heavy. One is full with the past, the other one is full with the future. 
because we carry them around all the time, we feel stress, tiredness. To overcome that stress, we put those two suitcases down for a short time, so we can bring them, take them up again afterwards. Putting them down is letting go of the business, the problems, the worries of life, so that we do not feel that tiredness which we call stress, tension in our life. Once one understands a way of letting go of the suitcases, one understands a way of meditation. One is putting down life, one is leaving it alone, one is just dropping it for a moment, so one can rest. Hopefully you've all managed to have some degree of experience in meditation, that sometimes when uh, you do this exercise I've been teaching here, of sitting down quietly, uh, just comforting the body and then starting to watch the breath go in and go out, go in and go out. You should notice that many of the concerns which you carry around with you every moment of the day do tend to disappear. They do tend to go away from you. The mind does start to rest and relax. Once one can develop this ability to let go of problems, you can find that it's a very useful ability which you can employ in many occasions of your life. One of the experiences which made me very uh, interested in this thing called meditation was when I used this very same technique uh, many years ago when I was doing the final examinations for a degree in an English university. In those days, to get your degree, the final examinations, one had to sit a three-hour exam in the morning, a three-hour exam in the afternoon, one hour for lunch, for six days solid, one after the other. And it was in theoretical physics. And I was told by all my friends, my, my relations, by the whole university, that this was extremely important, you have to pass, if you fail that your whole career has been wasted. Three years at university had come to naught if you failed. The pressure was on, it was very stressful. And three hours of doing sums, which was what theoretical physics was like, when you finished that first three-hour exam in the morning, I remember going back to my room, literally shaking with a nervous energy, tired and very worried about what I'd just done, whether I'd answered the questions correctly, and also worried about what the questions would be in the afternoon. Fortunately, I had an edge over my fellow students because I learned how to meditate. And instead of going back to my room and having lunch, I went back to my room and sat in meditation. I never had anything to eat at lunchtime. The first thing one noticed when one started just watching the breath was that the shaking in the body disappeared. When I started laying down those suitcases, for me the suitcase in the left hand was the exam in the morning. Was that the right answer? Should I have said something else? The suitcase in the other hand was the exam in front of me in the afternoon. Have I read enough? Have I revised enough? I let go of both of those suitcases. And I just dwelt in the present moment, just sitting in the room, as if there was no exams before me, no exams past. Sitting like that for half an hour, one noticed the, the inner nervousness disappeared and then the tiredness disappeared. 
to realize that for three hours I'd just been using my brain in top gear to try and get through this very important exam. After half an hour, the mind was so peaceful and quiet that when I emerged from the meditation after half an hour, I was so clear and rested that it was as if it was the first examination of the year. And when I went into that examination room in the afternoon, I was even smiling, which really upset my friends. <laughs> but to me, I was so at peace. The nervousness had gone, and in its place was energy and clarity. This energy and clarity is what we need in life if we wish to pass an exam, or if we wish to uh, do our roles and duties in life. And I did very well in those examinations, simply because that my mind was clear, rested and energetic. It was worth much more than lunch. Because at any examination one has to perform, and part of performing is recording all the information. It was in there somewhere. It's just how to get it out, and how to arrange it logically, and how to present it clearly. These are all things which require a very precise and calm but energetic mind. Calm but energetic is what happens in this meditation. So this was one of my first experiences which showed that this meditation is not just used for religious purposes, although it can be, it's very powerful as such, but it's also used in every aspect of life. Not only does it rest the mind and the body, but it also gives the mind and body energy. And this marvellous thing we call clarity. Why is it that we can never really see the solution to our problems? A lot of the time is because, as the English phrase says, we think about something. That word about, we think around it around and around, but we never go to the centre. To go to the centre you need a very calm mind, a very peaceful mind, and then you see. It's like a simile which, a very common simile of a person lost in a jungle or in a forest, when you don't know your way. What would you do? What one does in a forest or in a jungle is one finds a very tall tree, or even better, a hill, or a tower, and one climbs that tower until one gets above the tree line. When you're above the tree line, you can see great distances. You can see the paths and the villages in the distance. You can see the rivers. In short, you can get your directions. It's very difficult to get your directions when you're right in the centre of the forest, with trees around you and trees above you. So often life is like that, being in a jungle. Problems to the left and problems to the right, and problems above you as well. How on earth can one find one's way? How on earth can one find what one should be doing? By making the mind peaceful and climbing that inner tower so you get a further view above and beyond problems. That's why that, so this path of meditation has always been a path which gives an inner wisdom which can be not just you know, things uh, deeply profound, but just common sense on how you should be 
acting or dealing with the problems you face in day to day in life. So often if we have a problem and we keep thinking about it and worrying about it, that's the worst way of solving it. Leave it alone, then later the answer comes to you. I know a person who is a lawyer in England. This lawyer, a very busy job, lawyers get paid a lot but they also do work a lot. And this lawyer has solved the problem of the difficulties of his profession. In his office he had a cupboard. It was full of papers and, and books and stuff. He told his secretary to clear out every last piece of paper out of this very small cupboard. And every lunchtime he gets his secretary to lock him in there for half an hour where he meditates. <laughs> Anyone phones, the boss is in the cupboard. <laughs> And the secretary uh, agrees to do this and uh, the lawyer realises it's well worth doing. Why? Because half an hour spent meditating in the middle of the day for this very busy man means that in the afternoon he's rested, his mind is clear and he has energy to do the job which he has to do. Half an hour spent resting is soon made up in being more careful, more precise, not making so many mistakes. One meditation monk, a Vietnamese monk, once said the phrase, there's not much time, therefore we must go slowly. Which any of you who have very busy jobs, high pressure jobs, would do well to put on a piece of paper, on a card and stick above your desk. There's not much time, therefore we must go slowly. What is the meaning of that? If you haven't got much time, you can't afford to make mistakes. So much of life is spent uh, because of the mistakes one made, mending them, fixing them, and healing the, uh, the problems, the personality conflicts and stuff, which come up because we rush too fast. If you've got plenty of time, you can afford to make those problems because you've got time to solve them. If you haven't got much time, you have to go slowly and very carefully. So this, come, this is what we mean by bringing meditation into our daily life. Not just um, getting a cupboard and cleaning it out, but having this attitude of meditation which we bring in our daily life. We have times to stop and also times to go slowly and go carefully. Sometimes we think if we have many things to do we have to rush through them. That is usually not the fastest way. The fastest way often is to go slowly but carefully and just don't waste any time. Once a person realizes this they start to understand this not so much the technique of meditation, but the attitude of meditation. The attitude of meditation is this sustained carefulness on what you're doing. To be able to succeed at watching the breath from moment to moment over 15 minutes, you have to be very careful. You have to develop the carefulness of, say, a person walking over a tightrope. Just one lapse of attention and you're gone. 
or like a surgeon performing an operation. Just one moment of the mind wandering off and you snip something else instead of what you're trying to cut off. This is one of the problems. But surgeons can manage to achieve this constant awareness and carefulness. And it means that what they do is done well. And the more mindfulness and carefulness which they have, the more delicate the operations they can perform. And the more successful they become in their quest for healing sick human beings. So this attitude of meditation is a careful mindfulness, the attention to what you're doing. The attention to what we're doing is most important. Quite often in life we're always somewhere else. Not paying attention to what we're doing. Not giving importance to what we're doing. If you want to succeed in meditation you have to give complete importance to the breath, to the moment. All the other things which you have to do later, all the other things you've done before are not important anymore. It brings me to the story of the emperor's three questions. Once upon a time there was an emperor who as well as being a very successful ruler of this vast tract of territory also was interested in the philosophical truth and would often wonder about the meaning of things and throughout his life he sifted his contemplations and reflections into three big questions understanding that if he knew the answer to these three questions then he would understand all things the three questions were this what is the most important time? who is the most important person? and what's the most important thing to do? he asked all the priests and religious people in his realm and he didn't get a straight answer from any one of them he asked his politicians and ministers and philosophers and people in the universities Again, he wasn't satisfied with the answers. After a long time, he found the answers from a hermit who lived up in the mountains. This actually was not from a Buddhist story, but from a story by Tolstoy, which fits in to what I'm going to be saying this afternoon. What do you think those answers were? What is the most important time? Now, that's the easy one, the hard one. Who is the most important person? Anyone say yourself? No. <laughs> I love this. <laughs> Who is the most important person? It's not yourself. Mr. Keating? <laughs> God? Ah, oh, you've read this one before. Yes, the most important person in the story was the one you're with. That's a very profound part of the story. The most important person is the one you're with. This attitude of meditation is to be in the present, which means being with who you're with. You know, sometimes in life we might be with like our child, our son or our daughter. We're too busy. So we don't take them seriously. Sometimes they're very small, insignificant people, especially the people we live with, our husband and our wife. Because they're always there, they're not important. We take them for granted. Have you ever been with the person you live with and felt that they're not, they're not listening to you? 
your boss at work, your friend, and you're not being taken seriously, you're not being given importance, what they're saying to you, or what you're saying to them, is not really going in. If you understand this, you know what I mean by how important it is that the one you're with is the most important person. What happens when you aren't with anyone? Who's the most important person then? Yourself, because you are with you then. So the most important person is the one you're with. If no one else is there, it's you. What's the most important thing to do? I shouldn't really go on too long here. The most important thing to do in this um, answer, this riddle, was to care. Because caring means two things, not just being kind, but being careful, being mindful, listening carefully and caringly, doing carefully and caringly. This is the attitude of meditation. This is what you're training to do when you watch the breath. You're taking something which is always there, which has been with you from the time you were born, the breath. But because it's always been there, you've never given it any importance. You've taken it for granted. Just another breath. There'll be another time to watch the breath. There's more important things to do. More important things to think of. You don't give it importance. When you learn to give something as simple and as present as the breath, importance, when all these other wandering things which come up into the mind and take you away are disregarded because you choose to watch your breath, you'll find you will be able when a little child, your son or your daughter, comes to see you and they want to play and do something you think is completely silly and stupid and you haven't got time for it, you can push all that aside and be with that person. You can give them time just as you can give the breath time. You have the power to do so. And you can do so with care. You care enough to watch the breath and you carefully do it. You care enough for yourself to give yourself this rest and the time. And you do so carefully. So you actually do rest. You do achieve what you aim and set out for. So this is an attitude of meditation which comes to be one's attitude towards life. And lovely things start to happen when you start to develop this attitude of the one you're with is the most important now. If you want to say, I love you, if I want to say thank you, do it now. Tomorrow it might be too late. And you're caring and careful. And that brings enough a story of uh, another person I knew who, we have these weekend meditation retreats every so often, where we spend the whole weekend in silence doing a lot of meditation. And this retreat, or sorry, no, when this retreat was about to be scheduled, this man wanted to come to that retreat. But the retreats were on a weekend, Friday evening, Saturday and Sunday. And so he had to ask his wife, Dear, can I go on the meditation retreat which is coming in a couple of weekends time? And his wife said, What do you mean? The weekend is when we do the shopping, when you've got to mow the lawn, we've got to look after the kids, 
you've got to wash the car. There's so many things to do on a weekend. What do you mean you're going to go and cop out of a weekend's work just to go and do some silly meditation? Of course you can't go. So he didn't. The next time a meditation retreat came up, he asked again, may I go on a meditation retreat? Leave me with the kids, the washing up, the shopping, the car and everything else? Of course you can't. But he persisted. Once, when a meditation retreat was going to come up, and he said, "Can I go on a meditation retreat?" and he said, "Well, leave me." He said, "Okay, you go and leave me with the washing up and the kids and and the car," and he did. <laughs> but what happened was when he came back from the meditation retreat, because of these attitudes of mind he was developing, this caring, the the one you're with being the most important being very sensitive. When he came back, he was such a wonderful husband to be around. So sensitive and caring. And it's a true story. When the next meditation retreat came up, he didn't even need to ask. She gave him the money and sent him off. Because <laughs> she, she realized the results. It was in her interest. It was a different, not a different man, but a man with a much better attitude who didn't take her for granted so much, didn't take the kids for granted, was more sensitive and helpful. What are the biggest, some of the biggest problems in relationships? Why do they go wrong? What do people always say? Because breakdown of communication. The other person doesn't understand me. They're not listening. Or they may be listening, but they're not hearing. Why does that happen? Because the attitude is all wrong taking for granted, not listening to the other person, not giving them importance, not being sensitive, not being with that person. Being with the person is as difficult as being with a breath. You're with someone and what you do, you wander off somewhere else. There's more important things. Take your attention away from your husband, your wife, or the person you're with, and you end up not spending any time with them. Just like when you start to watch your breath and you wander off onto other things, where are you going tonight, all these other important things. This is a training of the mind to exert that choice to stay with what's right there in front of your nose, the breath going in and going out. So these become the attitudes which we develop in this meditation. And these are attitudes which actually come up naturally as a result of doing meditation. As one trains oneself to stay in the moment, one learns that now is the most important time. As one trains oneself to stay with the breath as it goes in and goes out, one trains oneself to stay with the husband, the wife, the child who you are with. And even though that what they may be saying may not be what you like, even though the breath may be uncomfortable, you stay with it. Even though you think it may be insignificant and paltry and the more important things in the world, you stay with them. You don't take these things so much for granted. When you stay with these things, you see and hear and feel things which would have passed over otherwise. You really get to know this person just as you get to know the breath. And there's many things in that person you never expected, you might find, which you do find. Just like in this breath, there's many parts of this breath which you never thought were there. The great beauty, the great joy, the great bliss of a peaceful mind, 
right there in just the breath going in and going out, which you never thought you'd find. Some people think that the meditation on the breath might be boring, just like people might think their husband and their wife might be boring, or their children. Look deeper and deeper, and it's amazing what you will find in there. These are attitudes and techniques which we build up in this meditation. They build up gradually as we do the practice, as we do the training. And uh, remember what this training is? The training is watching the breath, keeping the attention there. And I better not speak for too long, so I wanted to do a 15-minute meditation now. And after the meditation, I'm going to give you another exercise for meditation, which is the walking meditation. But first of all, we're going to be doing some more sitting meditation. So if you would get yourselves comfortable, if you are getting a bit stiff because you've been sitting down for over half an hour, stand up and uh, jump up and down. <laughs> Don't make too much of a noise. Don't injure yourself. And in a moment or two, we shall start the meditation. Okay? So here we go. Sitting down, close your eyes. You should know about the way to sit by now, the posture of meditation. When you close your eyes, it's a very good time to check that posture once more. Make sure you're sitting in a proper position. Not by looking, but by feeling. You can adjust the body slightly at the beginning, because this is your last opportunity to adjust the body. In a moment or two, I'm going to say, leave the body aside, don't even move it. Bring the awareness into the present moment. Remember, this is the most important time, now. In truth, it's the only time you have. So don't throw it away for something else. How do you feel now? What is the content of your consciousness right now? know what I mean by the experience and the commentary. The experience is what actually is happening now. The commentary is what you say about it. Leave aside the commentary and go for pure experience. What you cannot put into words. And don't take this moment for granted. This is the moment you're with, the most important thing in the world. And care enough to give yourself this moment. And as you stay with this moment, 
you get to learn more about it. And start to turn that attention onto the breath, which is right before you. The experience of breath going in, the experience of breath going out. Now the breath is the most important thing in the world. As important as the tip of the knife for the surgeon doing the operation. As important as the balance of a tightrope walker. As important as being with someone you've taken for granted for so many years. Even though other sounds, other thoughts may scream in the the background, I'm important too, listen to me, think about me. Say, no, not now. Now my breath is important. As if your breath is an old friend who's served you for many years, but you've never been with and understood. There's no need to talk about the breath as if you're running a conversation inside as you watch. Stay quiet to yourself and just feel the breath. Feel your body. Feel the old air expel from your body. As if it's some primeval cycle. And increase the level of care to allow the body just to do the breathing. As if you're soothing the breath just like you'd soothe a child when they're tucked up in bed at night. Breathing in, soothing the breath. Breathing out, soothing the breath. Don't have any goals or ambitions. Don't look to the future, just soothe the breath now. Now is the most important time. This moment you're with is the most important thing. And to care and be careful is the most important thing to do.